says that everybody needs to wear purple hair tomorrow and pink hair the next day. I don't care if everybody says that um, uh, that homosexuality is fine and that having two daddies or three daddies in the future is fine. We get our marching orders from a different commander-in-chief. We don't even believe our own hearts. They say, follow your heart right over the cliff. We don't even follow our own hearts. We live in a new kingdom. What's the kingdom called? The kingdom of God. And the life in that kingdom is very different than expected because what people usually will focus on when they come to the Bible, when they come to morality, is they'll focus on, oh, how shall I not kill? I haven't killed anybody yet. And, and they'll also focus on, how shall I not commit adultery? Oh, I haven't committed adultery. I'm not a bad sinner. Well, 
But people usually focus on that divorce can be for any reason. And what people usually focus on is that foreswearing, making promises and swearing by God. That's okay, just keep, you know, everybody's so quick to just say, oh, I swear, I'll do it, I promise, and then I don't keep it. And then it's okay to seek revenge. Somebody hurts me, you'll hurt them back. And what people usually focus on is that hating your enemies is okay. But Jesus came along and he overthrew the tables more than just uh, the money changers. He said, don't worry about killing, worry about your anger. See, Matthew 5 goes right to the issue and he says, I know you've heard it said that thou shalt not kill, but I'm telling you, thou shalt not be angry without a very good cause. Amen? You got with that a couple weeks ago. Jesus then came along and he says, don't worry about killing adultery, worry about your heart and your lust. Because that's the problem. Problem isn't the fact that you haven't stepped out of your marriage relationship or you haven't stepped into somebody else's marriage relationship. The problem is your heart. Jesus then came along and he says, You better not talk about divorce any way, anyhow you want. Divorce is only for extreme fornication. Right? You know what the truth is? The truth is that most marriages in the Bible were awful. You know, read your Bible, read it with open eyes, don't read it with, with glazed glasses. Jacob ended up, he, he loved one woman, ended up with four. There was more fighting at that breakfast table than you've ever imagined, amen? <laughs> uh, there was competition. It was a nightmare. Uh, Abraham, Abraham, people Abraham, he gets somewhere, and everybody's looking at his beautiful wife. She's 90 years old. And, she's there, and she looks like a knockout, and he says, uh, you're on your own, sweetheart. Tell her you're my sister. I mean... If anybody should have divorced somebody, it should have been Sarah saying, you won't even stand up for me and protect me from these wicked men. Anyway, listen, most marriages in the Bible were awful. You don't find them divorcing, do you? Jesus said, make your yes, yes, and make your no, no. Amen. He said, now, I swear on the second Bible. I swear on my mother's grave. Instead of seeking revenge, go the extra mile. Somebody hurts you, let it hurt you again. But Jesus says, we're looking into a way of life that is the exact opposite than what we normally would, 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 would even allow ourselves to do. Instead of hating your enemies, Jesus said, you yeah, gotta love your enemies like they love. Like I love you. Okay, so that's just to get you braced in and buckled in, amen? All right, so. Look there in Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 27 and 28. Jesus, as he normally teaches, he says, you know, you've heard that it was said by them the whole time, and it had, it's been in all, the law goes way back, even before the Ten Commandments ever codified it, it was normal for people to, to know that adultery was wrong. But he quotes from Exodus chapter 20, he says, you heard that it was said to them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. Watch these next 19 words. But I say unto you, watch it, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now, it's not wrong to look at a woman. <laughs> no, you know, you can't go around saying, I can't get on women, because a lot of monks used to do that. They wanted to live up in a beehive hut away from, from all temptation, and they still were sinners. <laughs> But when you look to lust, Jesus says that's where the problem is. And in those 19 words, Jesus drove a dagger deep into the heart of every person, not only there, but in this room. He spoke right to the point. He says the problem is not adultery, the problem is lust. He exploded the myth about self-righteousness because there is none of us who have not battled with lust. Well, I'm a woman, I got lust. You're a liar. You may not lust like a man does, but you lust. To lust is to intensely desire something that's wrong, generally. So take a lust for God, a thirst for God, to seek for God with all your heart. But to seek another husband, <laughs> to, seek, to seek to have another set of children than the ones you've got, you know? They're all kinds of lusts. Three. He exploded, he, he, he explained that lust was and still is a deadly problem. Do you, remember, you see the words where he says it's better for you to talk to your right arm than for you to end up in hell? Because lust is keeping most people from getting saved. He went on and he said the basic source of marriage problem is right 
in this truth. It's not money problems. I know that they do the studies and they say that um, uh, the, the, the thing that brings most marriages to collapse is financial problems, and I don't agree with that. The second biggest problem that, that they've discovered or they, they've decided that causes marriage problems are bad communication skills. How many of us have that problem? <laughs> then they go down the line, they say the thing that brings a lot of marriages down is gambling, and then drugs, and then drink. But you know what Jesus says the problem that destroys marriages? It's discontent. It's this thing that says, I'm looking on the other side of the fence and I see somebody better than the one I got. Or I see somebody with somebody and they don't deserve them. They deserve me. He then goes on and he warns why so many people end up in hell for all eternity. You know why most people go to hell? Because they want pleasure more than God. Amen. Now you're not going to hear this in almost any other church. It's funny. I mean, it's just in the Bible. But you're not going to get it because it's hard. Would you agree? People go to hell because they love sin. They say, oh, I can't help sin. No, you love it. We do. I don't put myself with you every day. Well, Pastor, you must not have a problem. I'm a sinner. And it's by the grace of God and the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God and the blood of Jesus Christ that I stay sinning. Amen. Jesus reveals finally why churches end up just like the world around. Cold, dead, and cursed. Not any churches. But you know what's funny? He wasn't finished. He wasn't finished at all. He then warns that lust was just as wicked as adultery. Look there in verse 29. He says, if thy right eye, now if you know anything about the right side of your body, normally your right eye and your right arm are what you use if you're if you're doing something, you're putting thread through the needle, or your 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 uh, uh, I don't know uh, your your right arm is is your most most uh, well equipped. That's what you normally write with, and you, you do things with. And Jesus says, "Cut it off." If that thing is touching other people, you shouldn't be touching. Pluck it out. If that eye is looking at a woman that you shouldn't be looking, because. I, the lust, not the act, but the desire is just as bad as the act of adultery. That makes sense. Are you with me? Take a deep breath, because we've just gotten uh, needy. <laughs> so about the sin of adultery. Jesus takes it for granted that we all know and deeply believe in the wrongfulness of adultery. He quotes from this seventh commandment, that thou shalt not commit adultery. That's pretty clear instruction. I mean, you know, there's something about the commandments that are just, just as clear as day. He basically is saying, don't ever interfere in what God has joined together. Don't ever interfere with what God is doing together because marriage is an institution of the church, right? No, marriage is the institution of the government, right? No, marriage is an institution of God. Don't ever interfere with what God is doing together. Get your own wife. Get your own husband. Get anybody else's. Most everyone would have agreed, listening to him then, and probably in this room today, that adultery was and is a wicked sin. What is what is maybe you may not know is that adultery is the most is one of the most frequently listed sins in the Bible and severely condemned. It is specifically mentioned 52 times, both in the Old Testament and all four of the New Testament Gospels and in 10 places, 10 books of the New Testament. Go to Matthew 15. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. These are words of Jesus. Not mine. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me having an agenda. This is what Jesus said. For out of the TV, proceed. No, you can't go the TV. Oh, I like to. For out of the heart, proceed evil thoughts. What's the next word? Wow, murder begins in the heart. Next one, adulteries, 
fornications, thefts, false witness, it's lying, blasphemies. These are the things, verse 20, which ruin the man, that defile the man. If you eat with unwashed hands, defile not a man. You ever have somebody say, oh, you didn't wash your hands before you ate. It's a good thing to wash your hands before you eat. But you're not going to send you to hell. You're not going to let Satan your relationship with God. But your heart, lusting after a woman, will. Hebrews 13. Hebrews. Hebrews 13 and verse 4. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage is honorable in all. You know, that works for a priest. There is no superior way to live. I don't want to live celibate. Go right ahead. But marriage is honorable. Amen. It's not a lesser way to live. Marriage is wonderful. Marriage is honorable in all. And the bed is what? It's undefiled. But whoremongers, and here's our word, whoremongers, but pornographers right there. Whoremongers and adulterers, God will what? Scare them. Leviticus 20 verse 10 says, And the man that committed adultery with another man's wife, even he that committed adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and adulteress shall surely be put to death. That's how serious God protects marriage. He said, God must hate people. No. He loves marriage. When you mess with that, he messes with you. Galatians chapter 5 says, The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, burial. Somebody says, well, I'm battling lust. You're battling it with the wrong weapons. Because if you use the works of the flesh to try to defeat the works of the flesh, that's what you're going to do. It's like putting fuel on the fire. The next verse says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I have asked you, do modern people, do you think modern people even know what adultery is? Let me describe for you the definition. Adultery is a physical union between two people who belong physically and sexually to someone else. Did you hear that? Adultery is a physical union between two people who belong physically and sexually to someone else. It is when you violate your marriage partner's ownership of your body. When I got saved, I got owned. Okay? Saved. When I got married, I got owned. When I got saved, I got owned by God. When I got married, I got owned. And when she got married to me, I own her. We own each other. I'm not superior. I can't do what I want. I gotta get permission. She can't do what she wants. She gotta get permission. She can't just live in a way and do anything. I can't just do She's my equal. She owns this life of mine, this body of mine. Adultery is when somebody violates the marriage partner's ownership of your body so that, that you promise would be theirs and theirs alone for all your life. Amen. Adultery is also when you violate a future spouse's ownership of your body. You say, well, I'm not married. And you go and you violate it. Your future husband or your future wife comes and gets abused material. And violate the future vow that you would be for them, and you already been for somebody else. Folks, adultery is destructive, wicked, it is a destroying sin. And the truth is, we're known to it. When was the last time you saw a film where it was mommy, daddy, kids, happy, family, home, life? When was the last time you saw that? Now, the reality of adultery goes even further because it is a rampant epidemic and a scourge throughout the world. It is a real sin. You know, most people have, become, have decided, they decided that just like homosexuality is not a sin, it's not wrong anymore, just like they believe in, in abortion is no longer wrong, they also believe definitely adultery is not really wrong. Mm -hmm. They keep removing all the laws on the law books that were against mm -hmm. adultery. And, and so, if you break up, you break up. Who cares? It's a real sin. It is just about everywhere. And the sadness is most everyone has been affected by adultery in their family. And it's still spreading. It is throughout society. Everything has been sexualized. There's, there's not much good and wholesome about people anymore. Have you noticed that? 
Everything and everyone has to be beautiful. Everyone has to be sexy. Everyone has to have perfect face. I mean, I, I, I couldn't be a woman. Just because the amount of time you have to put into your face so that you feel presentable to the rest of the world. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because that's the sexualization of society that has destroyed them. Cars and drive. If you ever want to watch a grown man cry, watch him go and buy a 70,000 euro Volvo. Go to Tesco, park it, and as he's walking away, 2001 Ford Fiesta pulls up and the, the person gets out of the car and <coughs> bangs against the, the, door, the, the, the side panel of your brand new car and you watch that grown man cry <laughs> that scratch on his brand new car. Because oh, it, it, it's got to be perfect. I know. Not only the cars we drive have to be sexy, but our fruit has to be sexy. <laughs> I mean, it has to be the right color, it has to be the right shape, it has to be the right flavor, all this stuff. It's just a vegetable, man. Everything has been sexualized. You can't watch the weather without some weather woman sitting there, and you're watching her instead of the weather. <laughs> Amen. It's just bothersome. They know what they're doing. You say, are you doing? Am I the only one that says, Find another weather channel. I'm the old man. We're going to have rain tonight. What in the world happens to our society? It's everywhere here. We have developed a society where a person's value from their earliest age comes only from his or her sexual appeal, their sexual behavior, to the exclusion of all other characteristics. Moms are raising girls to be beautiful instead of godly. Yep. Amen. Amen. Your job is not to make her a doll. Your job is to teach her to know how to say no. And know how to break somebody's neck if they come up too close. Amen. Amen. Research has linked the sexualization of young girls to destructive consequences. But the viewing of music videos is damning to a child. Where they see perfect female bodies. They see them in magazines and movies. And you know what the girls do? They hate themselves. They begin eating disorders that, that are either they, they, they don't eat or they can't stop eating. They try to battle for the rest of their life, low or no self-esteem. They battle depression and self-hatred. Children nowadays who are 12 years and under are dressed, posed, and dolled up in the same way as a sexy adult model, and it's at the request of their mothers. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm exposing what Jesus did. He said, and he was scaring that crowd. He says, in the kingdom of God, this thing should not be so. I can't control what they do out there, but I ought to preach right here what we ought to be doing. Amen? By the time a young man and a young woman starts getting together, they only see each other as sexual. It doesn't matter if someone's already married. It's actually more exciting if somebody's already with somebody else. So most movies, TV programs, novels, magazines, and 30% of the internet is designed to excite people's lusts. You don't get smarter reading and watching Google. Nobody's getting smarter on the internet. You get smarter reading books. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, one third of the internet is pornography. One third of all the bits and bytes and bandwidth and megabytes and everything is pornography. Why is that? Because it's designed it to feed lust. So guess what? No one's getting married today. And most marriages are hell on earth. And the end in separations and divorce. That was not the way God designed it. Amen. Okay, we're about five years now. It is infected Christianity. According to several polls, 50% of all Christian men and 20% of all Christian women are addicted to a pornography. I don't know what it is here in Ireland because nobody's in a poll in Irish Christians. 
There aren't many of us. Generally, in England and in America, 50% of all Christian men and 20% of all Christian women are addicted to pornography. 60% of the women who answered a survey admitted to having significant struggles with lust. 60% struggle with lust themselves. 40% admitted to being involved in a sexual sin in the past year. According to Christian Newswire, back in 2014, 60% of, of pastors confess to viewing porn weekly and needing help. With the prevalence of sexual immorality amongst Christians, it's no wonder why we're weak, we lack spiritual strength and victory that we should have. Amen. We say, we are passive. You know, you used to believe, if you're Catholic, you used to believe that the priest could do no sin. I remember that. They were above sin. The bishop, oh man, he, the Pope, never in every breath of him. And then you find out they weren't. They're flesh. That's why you pray for your pastors. Why you pray for one another. That's why you pray for marriages. Why you wives better pray for your husband. Why you, why you need to talk. And why men, you need to talk. We men are stupid. We think we can battle things. David, the conqueror of Goliath, he could not conquer Bathsheba. Amen. And David was a godly man. You know, there are plenty of adulterers in the Bible that God exposes. God never sugarcoated adultery in the Bible. The obvious one is King David and Bathsheba. You just read it for you, King to pass in the evening time. Oh, it's always. After the watershed, after 8 o'clock at night, all the channels started going wonky. And David rose off his bed and walked upon the roof of his house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself and bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Right. You know, she's another man's wife. And David sent messengers and he took her. And she came in unto him and he lay with her. It happens. The Bible doesn't ignore that. The woman caught in John chapter 8, caught in the very act, the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. It's right your Bible talks about one of the most abhorrent things, and there it is, because it needs to be talked about. I have to say, thank God for the Joseph. Not everybody has to give in to sin. Amen? Because when Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife, and I believe she dolled herself up like she'd never been beautiful. She laid out there and tried to get his attention and says, come here, come here, I need your assistance. Joseph being a servant, coming in there, whoa, I'm not supposed to be in here. <laughs> and she's, no, 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 I need your help, I need your help. And as he got closer, closer, she grabbed him, wouldn't let him run, and he left his clothes in her hands and ran out the door. Amen. Thank God for some Joseph. God doesn't say you're all going to do it. No, you don't have to. You don't have to give in. None of that should be this way, man. The source, now let's go back to the point. The source behind the sin because I think it's just in us. It is, it is something that we've got to fear. Taking a hold of us and taking charge of us and destroying us. Because there's a source behind the sin of adultery, okay? You ready? It's the whole point of Jesus' words. Did you know where the physical act of adultery sprouts from? These, um, these people in Matthew chapter 5, go back to Matthew chapter 5, all they knew was the commandment that was not commit adultery, but they had never considered the cause. How many ever had a headache and you took I was broken and we said, I'll, I'll, I'll get rid of the headache. How many ever done it? Every one of us. But we really go, you know, maybe I haven't drank water in the last six hours. And we never deal with the cause of the headache, do we? We just take a pill. Yeah, amen. Jesus asked people to consider what actually causes adultery. Where does it begin? Now, it'd be great if we could just blame the devil. It'd be great if we could say the devil's behind all the broken up marriages. The devil's behind all the fightings in the home. 
The devil is behind all the adulterous acts committed throughout time. But we can't mainly blame the devil even though he's involved. It's in us. The sin of adultery lies dormant, asleep, in every human heart. And so something stirs it, awakens it. That's why you don't let a nine-year-old just watch whatever they want on television. Amen. That's why you don't give a 10-year-old a smartphone. Amen. It ought to be called a sin phone. Because they have access to some of those billion, their hearts, their minds, their bodies cannot process what they're seeing. What is in their heart when it is awakened? It will damn them. You wonder, why don't my kids want to come to church? You better check their phones. Did you hear me? My kids don't want to read the Bible anymore. Check their phones. Amen. Take it away. You're in charge, not them. I don't care if they call child line. They don't call child line. They try to call my phone. I don't care if they take me away in chains. That phone's going. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Because when you stir that thing that's in their heart that is asleep and it is to be protected until they're strong enough to say, I'm not going down that path. When you stir that up, it's almost impossible to ever quench that fire. It is born. Adultery is born in lust. And often that most everything today in our culture feeds our lusts, never our contentment. When was the last time you went to a restaurant and they said, you're fine. You don't need to eat today. <laughs> no, they say, they make everything beautiful so you say, I'm starving, smell it. I, it's always to attract and to get me to want. That's something that's not bad. But let me tell you, a Christian has to learn to say, I am content. I wish you could say that. I wish you could say that it's more important to say, I'm rich. I'm saved. I may be going through some rough times, but I'm safe in the arms of Jesus. He will carry me through I may not have two pennies together, but I know my Lord will not fail me. I may not have but beans and toast tonight, but it's going to be a happy night because I'm with my wife. I'm not with another woman. Amen. 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 Lust is defined as a passionate desire or craving for something or someone. And it's usually for wrong things. You know, when you covet your neighbor's wife, it is lust. It will lead to physical adultery if it's not overcome. When you intensely desire for success and riches, it will lead to spiritual adultery where you abandon God and seek a new God. That is adultery. Lust is not always wrong. It's not wrong to seriously desire God. At the expense of everything else, you yearn for God. The Bible says, my spirit lusteth Against the flesh. And the flesh lusts against my spirit. It's like we're, we're going two different directions. That's okay. That's okay. Lust just means an intense desire. Make sure you intensely desire right things. It is the most, it is the most powerful emotion next to hate. Sometimes I believe lust is more powerful than hate. And it consumes its victim. As I was saying just a few moments, it will never allow you to just taste or just glance. It is never full and never satisfied. It's why pornography makes more money than Apple and Google together. The soap of adultery is scary because, as I said, it cannot be tasted. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. In verse 25. Proverbs 6, 25. <clears throat> Speaking of a man, and he sees this beautiful woman, and it's not wrong to be beautiful. It's not wrong for a man to notice. Wow, okay, she's pretty. It's when you do the double look. And you start to lust. This is verse 25. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee. I like how it was. Remember the old movies? <laughs> you know, it's like... 
Did they not take that right out of Proverbs? Neither let her take thee, hook thee with thy with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, an adulterous woman, a man is brought to poverty to where he has only a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt, never find the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom? You try it. Go down there and pick up a log that's on fire and say, I'm going to carry it on. <laughs> Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon and walk on hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever touches her shall not be innocent. You're never going to ever just sample it and come away clean. It'll consume you. Adultery can take place in any or all of a person's life. It can take place physically. It can take place emotionally. You know, some people get emotionally attached to others. Never physically. But they like to be with somebody than their husband. Or they like to be with somebody besides their wife. It's emotional adultery. And your wife knows it. And your husband knows it. And then there's spiritual adultery. Where you are loving things other than God and loving your thinking. It can take place in any and all of a person's life. It infects and affects everyone in some way. You say, well, I, I haven't looked at porn in 20 years. Amen. Amen. Just watch it tomorrow. The devil will find some way to get you to see it. And I'll waken that thing again. Do not ever go, oh, I got this victory. I hope you do. Jesus said, that thing ever crops up, let me help you. Let me put the fear of God in you so that you never, ever let it take control of you. Because the cost of adultery is beyond words. Adultery is the violent breaking up of the physical and emotional union between two people who had one time been one. And it always has consequences. A high price. Here in Proverbs, look at verse 32. It will destroy you. Verse 32 says this. Whoso committeth adultery with a woman is stupid. That's what the Hebrew says. Lack of understanding. <laughs> he that doeth it destroyeth his own what? You're, you're destroying yourself. He will end up killing you. You know why? Because your wife will. God <laughs> will use your wife or your husband or a boy. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Right after the book of Hebrews, James chapter 1, verse 14. How many remember Romans 6 23? The wages of sin is. I don't take that serious. You know what? That's written to Christians. It explains to the lost that their sin is one day going to kill them. But you know what? You're saved. Your sin will kill you too. You won't go to hell, but you'll go to heaven faster and you'll be ashamed for all eternity. James 1, verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own what? Something in us. You know, what is what is a pull, what attracts me may not be what attracts you. You got your own loss that the devil says, I'm gonna be watching you. I know what activates you, I know what will get you. You better be aware of the fact that the devil is smart. So you say, Well, I don't I don't I had a desire to smoke cigarettes. I understand that. But the devil knew to get somebody else on. And he can find out what will bring you down. And he goes on and he says, Every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, which means trapped. Then when lust hath conceived, all of a sudden, it's alive. It bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth what? Proverbs 7 says, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, as a fool to the correction of the socks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Whatever you see on that video monitor, whatever you see on that television, it's this person saying, come on, come on, come on. And it will drag you down to hell. Look back in Proverbs chapter 9. 
Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 13. <clears throat> Proverbs 9, 13 says, a foolish woman is clamorous. Now, a foolish woman is an unsaved woman, a woman who lives for her own pleasure. She lives without God. And so, you know, a lot of guys go, well, I, I love this woman. She's not a Christian, but she loves me. You're dumb. Because you're supposed to marry somebody with the same heart like you do for God. So don't go that way, because you might end up in this house. It says, a foolish woman is clamorous, and he's loud. She's simple-minded. She knows nothing about God. She sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city. She's got this place because she wants all the attention. And she calls the passengers to go right on their ways. And she says, Whoso is simple like me, let him come in hither, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Hey, stolen waters are sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But that idiot going up to that woman, he knoweth not that the dead are there, and her, her guests are in the depths of hell. That's how God describes the lure of lust. To God, it will destroy you, it will kill you, and it will drive you down to hell. Adulterous thinking, adulterous actions have never fixed depression. Amen. They have never satisfied a dissatisfied sexual desire. It is never adultery and lust has never built a home or a family and, and was never and never was anything but hell in the end. Adultery truly is a highway to hell. Here are the facts. Jesus made it very clear the lusting in our hearts for another man's wife or for another woman's husband. Well, for something that's not your wife or your husband, is just as wicked as getting into bed with them. Lust is not lust is not a man thing anymore. Most of you will look around in your mind at others and think about, oh, wicked men, evil men. And you'll ignore your own sinfulness and your participation in the sin of lust. Is that, did we not read that? It says, when a man looks on a woman, he hath committed adultery always, also, always uh, all, already with her in his heart. How willingly are you participating in another man's lust? Amen. How well do you live and dress modestly so another man can't dress you down? Amen. Don't be so high and mighty saying, you know, men never men in their minds. Yeah, amen. Don't feed it. Lust is not a man thing. It's rapidly growing into the awful addiction in girls and women. Everyone battles with something wicked in their heart. You read the verse. First Corinthians 10, 13 says, There is no temptation taken you. You know what it means to take somebody? Come up here, Patrick. I'm going to use you for a second. Maybe I'll use you. You're over here, you're minding your own business, all right? I want you to go over towards that, uh, that, uh, I don't go yet. Go back over here. I want you to go towards that rubber tree. You wait on it for a minute. All right, now go back, go back, go back, go back. I haven't called you yet. All right. Let's, fight, let's watch the verse. There's no temptation, you, no, no, no temptation. What's the next two words? Taking you. I want you to see what's about to happen. You've got a goal. The rubber's been, I know. Right, you've got a goal. You're not looking at sin, you're not looking for trouble. He's just trying to do right. He's trying to go to church. He's trying to read his Bible. He's trying to pray to make a prayer list. He's trying to get a gospel track out. And there is no temptation taking you. Go ahead. Such as it's common man. Now, you've got a good fight. I appreciate that. But most people just go with the flow. Amen? So whatever Patrick may battle with, Maybe different than what you're bad, but we're all. There's no temptation that's not common to every one of us. But God is here. There's something you better, better get out of, and that is Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. Who am I chief? They don't ever look down and go, you know, that person, that person's less than me. Are you kidding? We're less than dirt. We're less than dust. 
you try to pile up dust and make something out of it. You try that. <laughs> you can't make anything out of dust. We're less than that. So if you ever see somebody fall into sin, you better say, for the grace of God, there would I be. Amen. Everyone battles with something wicked in their heart. God is faithful who will not ever, if you're saved, he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way for you to escape that you may be able to bear it. No, it's going to be free from temptation, but you can put up with it and you can keep on walking. Amen. Your heart will always justify this sin. It'll be the one sin that you find yourself justifying. It really doesn't hurt anyone. It isn't real. It's normal. That's what they say. The truth is, Jesus said that you're not to have passion. He never said that you're not to have passion and desire. But Jesus said you have to have it towards the right things, towards your wife. Towards your husband, your wife ought to know that you're ravished with her love, Proverbs says. You ravish your wife. Your eyes ravish somebody else, she ought to slap you from here to kingdom come. Amen. To lust after a passing woman or lust after somebody on a laptop screen is never justified. It's not. Do you really believe it's normal? Even it is normal. Animals. That's the animal kingdom. I'm in the kingdom of God. Lust never fades away, by the way. It must be overcome. It must be defeated because it will always defeat you. Seek not to just be forgiven, but to be cleansed. Purged. Burned out, Hebrews calls it, in your heart. Because God will judge adulterers and poor addicts. That word there is poor monkers. God will judge you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to try to help you. I'll tell you that this God judges adultery. Whether it's physical or it's mental. In your heart. The cost of lust in your life is just as much as that as of committing adultery. Would you would you if you're if you're anywhere near sane, can you imagine the cost to you if you got involved with another man's wife? Can you imagine the cost of stepping out on your wife or on your husband? Well, the cost of, of lusting in your heart is just as high. That's a fact. That's why Jesus makes this very, very strong. We need a generation that loves and honors and protects marriage. The biblical mode of marriage. We need a generation that believes in one man, one woman, sacrificially, sacrificially loving each other for life. Amen. We need some kids, some young people growing up saying, I look forward to getting married. Amen. I'm looking forward to children. I'm looking forward to working a boring job so I can serve God with my family. Amen. We need a generation that loves the beauty of purity and the beauty of holiness. We need a generation that value their bodies as a gift from God, not to be tattooed and pierced and abused by the world. Amen. How do we overcome us? All right, ready? Amen. Here we go. Don't ever let the Bible ever discourage you or you think God wants you to give up because he's saying this is a battle worth fighting to the point where you may lose everything that you're going to fight it. Amen? Because, go to 2 Peter chapter 2. I hope this is not the way you want to live. 2 Peter chapter 2. I know it's warm in here. Stay with me. I can't. They make these things like we're in a box. I would open the window, believe me. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. 2 Peter 2.12, but these as natural brute beasts, animals, may be taken and destroyed. You know, the only kind of animal you end up destroying is an animal that is devoured or, or, or tried to attack a human. And stuff. Normally you, you, you keep an animal, normally you use an animal, but these type of people, 2.12 says, as natural brute beasts have been made to be taken and destroyed, they speak evil of the things that they understand not. They mock and speak evil of somebody who's waiting until they get married. 
They speak evil of living God. They speak evil of, of everything that's good and wholesome. And shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. Oh yeah, they'll get the payoff. As they that counted pleasure to riot, even in the daytime. Spots they are in blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Having eyes full of what? And that cannot cease from sin. Is that how you want to live? Or you just can't help? Sneaking off, looking on your phone, or looking on the laptop, or looking in the computer, or going somewhere, looking at the magazines. Is that how you want to live? Is, is that, do you really, really want to live that way? Because that's your life. You're just chained to a future of death. So the first thing, the best thing that ever happened, you get caught. How do you get less defeated? Get caught. Mama, daddy, husband, wife, know what's on your mate's computer. Amen. Just pick up their phone. Say, let me take a look here. <laughs> yeah, amen. Get caught. Best thing that ever happened to you. Put the fear of God in you like nothing. Your heart will beat 400,000 times a second. If you're not caught, folks, if you can live that way, and it goes on and on and on, you're a child of the devil, you're not sin. Amen. Because God won't let his children get away with sin like that. Amen. Quit hiding your sin. Just, just wait for the day you're going to get exposed. Secondly, get honest. Get honest with yourself that you are wicked. Amen. I love you. I love you because I am one too. This, this is a real church where we know we're wicked. We know we have David. You would never guess that David would take another man's wife and then he would actually work it out that he would have that man murdered so he could have Uriah's wife. You would never have guessed that David would do that, would you? And yet he did. Don't you dare say, I would never. Under the right circumstances, you'll do anything. So get honest with yourself saying, I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself to just go surfing the internet, go surfing the channels, go watching whatever I want, go with whoever I want. Be honest with yourself. Quit justifying your sin. Well, my wife is not showing me any affection. Well, my husband is always angry. Oh, man, stress is really getting to me, and I can't help but gravitate to pornography. Yeah. Better get honest. You're justifying sin. And your lustful, wandering eyes are just as wicked as if you were jumping into bed with somebody that's not with Get honest with God, too. Start confessing to God that this is sin before your next, next episode. You know, every time you sin, every time if you're saved, you'll always say, I'm so sorry. Amen? You know what you need to do? You need to say it before you sin. That's being honest with God. God, I don't want to go down that path. I'm such a, I'm such a weak whip. I'm as weak as water. God, I confess it, I confess it, and I forsake any kind of future of sin I want to cling to you. Be honest with God. Be honest with your spouse. There's nothing wrong with getting counseling. Sit down with somebody. You need help? Get somebody. Multitude of counselors make war, and that war ought to be against that sin in your life. Get some counseling. Get to the place where you can be open with your spouse about your heart's failure. Because Satan loves you to hide. Satan loves darkness. Satan loves you to think, I don't need to say it to anybody. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because when you're honest, the devil can't work. Then get serious. Jesus Christ died to free you from the grip of lust. Pay whatever price now to get free from lust and never tighten your grip. Jesus said, if your eye won't stop looking, yank it out. Now, is that serious? How do you want to do that? I, I would want to do that. But you see, I don't think it's just hyperbole. I think Jesus said, take it so serious that if your eye, if you really want to live in the kingdom of God, if you, wait, how many believe heaven is eternal? How many believe hell is eternal? Would you really think that having this wandering eye, this eyes full of adultery and living like there's no God, it's just you and pleasure, that that is going to be worth eternity in hell? You really believe that? I don't. And if if your pride in your sin in any way is keeping you from getting saved, I've got the eye, the hand, the feet, 
because I'd rather go into heaven with, with mutilated, messed up body than go into hell perfectly beautiful. Amen. Take it serious. Seeing clear of adulterous thoughts is more important than having two hands and two eyes. Amen. Lust will lead to adultery, and adulterers do not enter the kingdom of God. Amen. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh, shall the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit, shall the spirit reap life everlasting. Lasting. You live one way, but lead you, leads you straight into hell. You live another way, and God takes you all the way to heaven. Not that you're living the perfect life, but your direction is, I want life. I don't want that sin running my life anymore. By the way, lust doesn't lessen with age. You know, old people still battle with lust. Amen. You talk about Abraham. Sarah comes and says, listen, we need a kid. So here's Hagar. You think Abraham went, I'm not interested. Abraham's, that point, how old is he? He, some odd years old. You say, well, old people don't have lust. I is one of the old people. No, man. As long as you're breathing, you're a sinner. <laughs> you have the potential for it. It does not become easier to resist. You're going to have to fear God. Fear being caught. Fear the consequences of lustful lives, gentlemen. You could lose your wife. You could lose your family. You could very possibly end up alone for the rest of your life. Amen. You can lose your peace and your joy that God gave you abundantly when you got saved. You can lose it all. You can lose your job. You know, the Me Too movement was a necessary movement. That's out of balance. And it's a little hypocritical. But the Me Too movement of the last year was reaction to wicked men's attitude about women's bodies. Amen? Amen. You can lose your job. Find you lusting after somebody and they don't want any, uh, what do they call it, flirting or whatever. Fire you on, I'm a fire you. You can lose God's blessings and His help. You better fear the judgment of God. Ladies, fear the consequences of you, your loose flirting. And sometimes ladies are a little un, what's it called? Indiscreet. That's a good word. They're indiscreet with the way they flirt. It's nice to be nice. You may not know how guys are getting wrong. Guys are stupid, okay? We interpret things really simple. You gotta be careful. When I'm talking to Christians, I know. I'm saying, fear God coming down and saying, don't flirt. Don't show more attention to somebody else's husband than you're showing to your own husband. Amen. Get interested. Go to 1 John chapter 3. You're in 2 Peter. Go to, the, go to the right just a few pages. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. Get interested in being free. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not. But they recognize us. Because they knew him not. Verse 2. Well, now are we the sons of God. No, I am going to be. That's what I already am now. I've been born into the family of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him does what? Purify himself even as Jesus is pure. We want to be like him. Get interested in being pure. God did not call us to uncleanness, for Thessalonians 4, 7 says, but he called us to holiness. Get running. Not, that's not exercise, by the way. Reject the attitude that you can get away with touching. Reject the attitude that you get away with double looking and triple looking and linger looking. Reject the attitude of comparing my wife, his wife, my wife, his wife. That is wicked. Fault finding. Did you know when you find the fault in your mate, the devil's right there going, keep it going. He gets in closer and closer the more you're critical of the person that God gave you. 
Reject the attitude that you can submit to and obey and be super nice to someone other than your spouse. Here's a good thought. Practice looking away. For a real practical thing, ladies, don't be offended. I don't care. When a woman bends down and you're right there, would you look away? Gentlemen, amen. She may not know the enemy's looking. She may not be aware. But if a woman puts herself accidentally, hopefully accidentally, into a situation where you could be lusting, guys, look somewhere else because your wife is watching. Amen. When a woman, this is can I say, ladies, can you please learn to do this? I'm just going to get really, some people are going to be mad from now on. But ladies, would you do something? If something's on the ground, would you do me the favor? And go down like this and pick it up. Not like this. Okay? Would you remember that image from now on? Fortunately, unfortunately, whatever. But the point is, guys, learn to look away. Amen. You can't control what everybody's doing around you. You can control what you look at. Amen. Thank you. Ephesians 5 says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. As Christ has also loved us and given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. But fornication and uncleanness. Or covetousness. Let it not once be named among you as we come to saints. Amen. That's the goal. That's going to be there. You're going to battle. You're, the devil, he's so smart. And we are so weak. We don't have to live there. Get away from sinning, brethren. Amen. Quit going to churches. Quit church hopping and going and watching YouTubes that are only what you already agree with. Thank God and pray for a pastor who will tell you what you need. It will make you uncomfortable and help you. Quit holding around and hanging around with the brethren that like to drink. Amen. Quit hanging around with the brethren that, that, that are all into all these conspiracy theories and all of these wacko uh, doctrines and stuff like this. Get some place where it's Bible and it's truth and it's straight and it's not wacko every second day. Hang around with sin, brethren. I've written unto you, Paul says, I have written unto you not to keep company with any man that is called a brother, be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, an angry, yelling, you know, madman, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. With such a one, don't even eat with him. That's what Paul said. Amen. You got somebody and he's living with somebody else, he's not to be your friend. You love them, invite them to church, tell them, man, you need to get right with God, but you don't sit there and ask for dinner every other night. No, don't eat with them. Amen. Amen. Get away from sinning, brethren. Our churches are filled with people who don't want to offend one another. We're offending God. Get wrestling. Get wrestling. Lust is a deeply demonic issue, folks. Lust is usually fueled by anger and wrath. When your flesh is so full of anger, your eyes will be full of lust. It just is the natural progression if you don't fight it, if you don't wrestle it, if you're not careful working at this process. And get to wrestling where if you've got this thing, you need to come out, talk to somebody, start fasting, have a powerful, consistent prayer life where the first thing on that list is, God, make me free again. I used to be free. Make me free again. Get wrestling. And then get married. Amen. You know what most people look forward to? Sex. That's it. When God designed you with a desire for a person, not a body. Amen. Look forward to getting married. If you're not married, ask God to make you worthy of a wife or a husband. Then ask God and beg God to give you a godly spouse. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says, I say therefore to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they abide. Stay unmarried. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to. Amen. And then lastly, get back to the Bible. What do I mean by that? Review, recharge, repair your mind with the Word of God. 
If you're not in the Bible, you will be in the flesh. You'll be in the world. I'm done. Final thoughts. Be careful of self-righteousness. Romans 2, 2, 2.22 says, Thou that saith a man should not commit adultery. Does thou commit adultery? Do you? It's a good question. Do you linger as you look? Does your heart yearn for someone else in your own wife or your husband? Don't be so quick to condemn anybody who's battling with lust or with a, an adulterous past when you're seeking to be right. Don't treat lust different than the act, actual act of adultery. What goes on in your head, if you don't get the victory of it, will be what you do with your hands and with your body. And that ought to terrify every believer. And make overcoming this sin your highest priority. Make overcoming this sin your highest priority. You know the best way? I'm getting very close to Jesus. It's a new birth. It's called being born again. It's called being a new creature in Christ. There is hope, folks. It's not in you. It's in Jesus Christ. And you need him in you. If you'll stand with me and bow your head, I'd like you just to for a few moments. Think about it. God wanting to do a work in your life. Are you going to allow him to work in this area? Are you going to allow him to scare you a bit and you can go, Lord, I don't want to go down that path. I don't want to let the world, my friends, I don't want the devil to have any hook in my life. Please forgive me, but please cleanse me and please give me victory. Because I want my wife to have somebody, my future wife, or my present wife, or my present husband. I want them to have a godly person. I don't want to be a messed up, defiled, abused, ruined vessel. Whatever you need to talk to God about right now, let me just tell you, talk right now. Because he's giving you maybe right now the last chance you'll ever get, you'll ever get to get God. You know, guarantee tomorrow or next week or next month. Right now is the day to get right. Today's the day to get saved, too, if you're not saved. You don't even know what it means to be born again. I'd like you to come up to me, man. I'll tell you. I'll go over with you. I'll show you in the Bible. Jesus said, you must be born again. Because that's the only starting place to get any kind of victory over the sin you already hate. A Christian, if you don't hate the sin of lust, I am worried about you. You got this too. Because you can't live that way very long without ruining everything. Father, I pray for the young men in this church right now to be very awake to the decisions that they're making about their bodies and about their future, about their eyes. Would you please help them never forget this message? Pray for some young ladies who would realize there's no hope of finding a godly husband unless Less preaching like this and less teaching is biblical and strong so that young men grow up fearing God more than the desire for pleasure. So I pray that young women wait for a godly man. I pray that young women here desire to stay pure so that they are a gift to a godly man. I pray for Every man and woman in this church, we realize you gave us a gift of our life, that we're to glorify God in our bodies as much as we do in our spirit. We can have a victory over this. We can deal with these things. We didn't just talk about these things and then move on. Oh, it was like a dagger cutting open, wounding every heart from self-righteousness to cleansing. Lord, may this message be a cleansing truth for some people. And we just dedicate the word of God to the work in every heart. In Jesus' name.